Well, this morning, as we prepare to celebrate this week, this Thanksgiving, the Lord was stirring. And the only thing that he kept on bringing to my mind is to just say thank you. So this morning, we're going to spend some time just thanking Jesus. So if you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Luke, the 17th chapter, beginning with the 11th verse. And if you would, stand with me and honor the reading of God's word. Luke, the 17th chapter beginning with the 11th verse. This is the word of God. Hear the voice of Christ. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus's feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, we're not 10 cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. Just simply want to title this text a little differently than what's in your bulletin. Just want to title this text this morning, Thank You, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I get very excited this time of the year, and I really enjoy just preparing for Thanksgiving. If your family is anything like my family, they've been, we've been working on that menu like two months ago about what we're going to have this week. You bring this, and you bring that, and, and my, you know, my lips just get going and get tingling just thinking about that turkey coma sitting there after we've eaten our fill and our full. So even as we are coming to Thanksgiving and, and just thinking about all that is going to take place and just being grateful and thankful for family, for friends, uh, there, there is a lot to be thankful for. But you know what? Sometimes these holidays are difficult and they are hard. And there may not be much that you want to give thanks for. It may have been a rough year. It may have been a rough week. So a loved one or a dear friend may not be at the table this week. There may be some situation or circumstance going on in your life where you really don't feel like giving thanks this week. And you know what? That's okay. See, but I'm afraid that in our culture of entitlement, we really believe that our, our heart full of gratitude, our, our, our speaking of thanksgiving, 
is dependent on things that we receive or the happiness that we have. See, what I'm saying is we have trained ourselves to only be thankful when people give us stuff or thankful when everything is going my way. Think about it. Oftentimes when a child may say thank you to their parent, it's not because they just genuinely love their parent. They genuinely love their mother or their father, but they just got the new Xbox. They just got the new pair of Jordans, and they're receiving things. So it's at that moment, I'm not saying thank you because you're my father. I'm not saying thank you because you're my mother. I'm saying thank you because what you showed up with. And if we're not careful, my, my friends, we can treat Jesus the same way. Well, we aren't really thankful to Jesus unless our life is going right. As long as we got a job, as long as we got our health, as long as everything is going okay, then I'm willing and ready to say thank you, Jesus. But how about in them hard times, those difficult times? Because if we just being real, we go through life, don't we? And everything ain't a mountaintop day. We have a lot of valleys as we go through this life. What would allow you to say thank you in the valley? What would allow you to say thank you even when things aren't going your way? Beloved, I believe that thanksgiving genuinely comes from a heart that has been made whole by Jesus. That's it. When we're grateful not just for the gift, we're grateful for the giver. Where Jesus can show up and he doesn't have to do anything else for me. And I'm grateful just because who he is. I'm grateful not because I I woke up in in a nice bed and I got gas in my car, but I'm grateful just because he's on the throne. I'm not grateful because I I have a job today or or the, the boss is treating me right, but I'm grateful because of who Jesus is. And as we look at this text in the book of Luke, I love how Luke, he is, he is always uh, ha- set on giving attention to the details. And all throughout the gospel of Luke, he is pointing out who Jesus is. That's the context of where we are this morning. Luke is laying out for us this narrative about who Jesus is why we should thank him, why we should have faith in him. In this text, he is, it begins by saying, on his way. This is the third on his way statement between chapter 9 and chapter 19. This is the the journey text for Jesus. Because in chapter 9, he says that uh, Luke, he points out that Jesus has set his face towards Jerusalem. And if you know anything about Jesus' journey to Jerusalem, you know where he's going. He's going to Calvary's cross. He is going to die the death that we deserve, to be the atoning sacrifice for our sin, to be the Savior of the world. And Luke captures this. And this passage is so pregnant with with meaning and details, but uh, the main theme is that Luke wants us to see who Jesus really is, and why we should give thanks to him. So if you would, 
Let's just travel through this text and see what Luke has to say. But he begins this narrative by saying, on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. Now, that would be easy contextual information to look over. But what we have to understand is that when, as Jesus is on his journey, he is moving from Galilee in the north, and he's going past Samaria, but he's headed to Judea in the south. And as Jesus is on his way, he is in a region where anybody could be there. He says he is, he is going from, he's coming down from Samaria, and he's in the region of Galilee, and because the Jews would not go directly through Samaria, they would take the long way around. So Jesus, he's probably on the fringe area, and it talks about uh, he's in a, a particular village. There's no name of the village, but what Luke wants us to see, namely, is that Jesus is ready to encounter anybody. This is an anybody situation, because as Jesus is going on, he may encounter a Jew, he may encounter a Samaritan, he may encounter a Gentile, but what he's showing is that Jesus is available to everybody. He's on his journey, and he enters into a village, and Luke tells us in detail he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. Even that, ten lepers, people who have been infected with the, a, a skin disease. See, leprosy in the Bible could be anything as, as, as small as uh, some type of abrasion, some type of breakout uh, from, from like ringworm. But it could, it could go all the way down to, to the dreaded Hansen's disease where someone's skin has begun to turn white and they begin to lose all feeling in their nerves. See, leprosy was such a, a heinous disease because the individual would uh, bring hurt and harm to themselves because they couldn't feel what was going on. You know how you, you, you may put your hand on, on, over the stove and it's hot and you, you move your hand back quickly? See, someone with leprosy wouldn't have the nerve endings to know that that is a hot fire. Move your hand. So their skin would begin to burn and, and decay and be put on fire. It was nothing for someone with leprosy to, to break a foot or break an arm and not even know it. This is how serious leprosy was. But not only was it a, a serious physical condition, it was a serious spiritual condition. Because when someone had leprosy, they were cast outside the camp. They were put outside the community. They were no longer welcome in the presence of everybody else. Basically, they couldn't go to church with, with the rest of the folks. This is a barrier of worship going on here. These ten lepers. And we see that based upon Levitical law, Leviticus 13 and 14 deals with these skin diseases, and one prescription is that they would stay away from everybody else, and as when, when someone would come near, that they had to declare, unclean, unclean. That was everyone else's warning to get away from me, I'm unclean. Turn with me right quick to Leviticus, the 13th chapter. Leviticus, the 13th chapter. Let's start with verse 45. This is the law given to God's people. This is what they would be obeying. This is why the text says that they stood at a distance. 
to what, what Luke is doing. Luke is giving these Old Testament overtones. He wants you to see how, how the law is speaking to these situations, but yet ultimately how the law is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So he points out that they stood at a distance. They're being obedient to the Levitical mandate. And in verse 45 it says, The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. So as Jesus comes to this situation, he encounters these ten lepers. Between verse 11 and 13, we see that Jesus is available to anybody. They've been separated because of this skin disease, and they are no longer able to worship. Beloved, whenever we see Jesus moving in the Gospels, he is always showing who he is, and he always steps into a situation where worship is not taking place. Whenever some, uh, some form of worship of God is not taking place, here, for instance, because they have been separated from the, from the temple, they could not come and offer prayers, worship is not taking place, so Jesus inserts himself here. I'm going to do something. So namely, we can simply be thankful to Jesus because he is available to anybody. Think about your life and who you encounter on a daily basis. As soon as we see somebody, we have a, a, a picture in our mind who they are, what they're going to be, and what they're all about. And we, we determine, will we talk to them or won't we talk to them? Will we, will we act like we've seen them or will we actually speak? It, we have a way of going about ourselves that we only accept certain people we find to be a blessing to ourselves. But Jesus says it doesn't matter what you look like, where you come from, what your past, what your past is, I am concerned for anybody. I'm not concerned about your baggage. I'm not concerned about the last time you went to church. I'm not concerned about any of those things. I want you. Jesus inserts himself here. And he says, as Luke is reporting, he says, and as they cried out and lifted up their voices, verse 13, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. This is a cry of desperation. This is a cry of, I've been everyone else, everywhere else, and want no one except me. This is a cry of, this is my, my, my last leg. I, I can't look to anyone else. And you can tell because they call out and they say, Master. Normally, they would have called out and said, Rabbi, teacher. Good, good prophet, but they call Jesus master. Well, why? Because his reputation precedes him. 
Jesus had already been uh, giving sight to the blind and giving hearing to the deaf. He had already cleansed the leprous man. So they knew when they saw Jesus, this is one with authority, with power, who could actually do something about my situation. He was a master, not just a teacher. So they were familiar with Jesus' ways. If we're going to thank Jesus about anything this morning, we can just thank Jesus for being the master. Because when Jesus is our master, we know he has everything under control. Because if Jesus is the master, he speaks and it happens. If Jesus is the master, he can calm our fears and give us the encouragement that we need. We can thank Jesus for just being the master. They say, have mercy on us. And what does Jesus do? When he said to them, When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. As they went, they were cleansed. A couple things are going on here. Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priest. He's He's hearkening back to Levitical law. Because anyone who had leprosy, when they thought they may have been healed or the rash has gone away, their responsibility was to go to report to the priest to be examined. The priest in Old Testament times was kind of like a health inspector, making sure that everyone was okay, that disease wouldn't spread, and that everyone wouldn't be affected. So Jesus is, is saying, he's hinting at, okay, go see the priest. Go see the priest. And as they, by faith, begin to walk towards the priest, it says, and they were healed as they went. They were cleansed. What is Jesus showing us here? What is Jesus showing us here? He's showing by faith. You may not know when healing is coming, but you just follow God's command. So many times, so many situations, we find ourselves on the edge of despair. But yet we read our word and we know that God will strengthen and encourage us. And we are letting the situation have greater influence than the word of God. We're letting the situation speak louder than what Jesus is speaking to us right now. And we don't know when God is going to work something out, if he's going to work something out. We know ultimately he works, he works it all out. But he says, by faith, just obey me. By faith, you just go. Jesus wants them to to listen to his words and to follow him in spite of what they think their present situation is. This is hope. This is hope for the hopeless. You mean, Jesus, go see the priest? Are you insinuating that at some point I'm going to be cleansed, I'm I'm going to be healed? Just just think about the, the leper who's been separated from their family. When you had leprosy, it didn't matter if you had wife or children, sister or brother, you were cast out. It didn't matter if you was rich or poor, if you had a a bunch of stuff or a little stuff, you had to leave it all behind. You didn't have no close friends or, or confidants, you had to leave them all behind. And Jesus shows up with a bit of hope. Beloved, this morning, there's someone in here, you you on your last leg. But Jesus offers you hope. 
You don't know exactly when he'll come through, but the text shows us in all throughout Scripture that when you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that he will bring transformation. That he will deliver on his promises. Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. This this speaks to Jesus is his authority. He didn't say, go and be healed. He didn't touch them. He didn't pick up dirt and spit on it. He, he just merely said, go to the priest. Jesus is demonstrating he has complete sovereign authority over any sickness, any disease, over our very lives. Just go. I don't need no big demonstration. God doesn't always have to do something big to bring healing to your house. He doesn't have to always uh, get you out of uh, a trillion dollar debt. He can just show up with a gas car right on time. It doesn't always have to be big. And so we, we have this perception and we think that we need to have a Damascus Road experience in order to trust God. The fact that you're woke in your right mind this morning testifies to the authority of Jesus over your body right now. It's his goodness. It's his goodness. And as they went, they, they're, they're cleansed. Their skin begins to renew of color. They begin to notice that they don't, they don't have that limp. They, they're looking at it like, what happened? What is going on? Verse 15 says, as all this is going on, this healing, this cleansing taking place. It says one of them turned back. He saw that he was healed, and he went back praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks Now, he was a Samaritan. Luke is doing a whole bunch of stuff right here. Namely, he's showing that Jesus not only has authority to heal because he has power, he has authority to heal because he's God. All throughout the scripture, whenever someone uh, encounters a miraculous situation, if it was just an angel, if it was just a lowly person, and they come to give praise, the angel says, no, 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 you stand up. Don't praise me. But what does Jesus do? He's at his feet. Jesus doesn't move. He doesn't uh, back up like he's not worthy of this praise. He receives this. But not only that, Luke lays out, he says that the Samaritan was praising God and giving thanks to Jesus. This is, this is thrown in the same basket. Well, God, I'm, I'm giving glory to you. You've done something wonderful. You've done something mighty. And I know Jesus has something to do with it. You are using him to bring transformation in my life right now. So Luke is pointing out Jesus' deity. But then he's, always, he's also showing us how cleansing goes to 
a certain point on the outside, but you still may need healing on the inside. Where's he going? Because he says, why does he throw this in there? Now, he was a Samaritan. If, if, if you're familiar with church, if you've grown up, if you know anything about the Bible, uh, you know what a Samaritan is. But if, but if you don't, don't worry. See, the Samaritans were a, a race of people, former Jews left behind after the fall of Israel. And what happened when Assyria would come in, when uh, Babylon would come in, when these countries would come in and conquer a nation, they would remove the people there, leave a few, but then they'll bring people from other places to live and settle that same land. They want to keep things in order. And what happened was when those outsiders, those Gentiles came in, the Jews who were left married those, uh, those Gentiles and began to have uh, uh, children and began to have a race. So now these, these Samaritans, when the Jews came back to reclaim their land, the, the pure-blood Jews began to look down on the half-blood Jews. This is a, this is a form of racial superiority. Well, are we going to come in? Uh, well, you really not like us. You really don't have it all together like us. And at that moment, it caused a few like never before. The Samaritans hated the Jews, and the Jews hated the Samaritans. The, Samaritan, the Jews would look at the Samaritans as unclean dogs, people. They were not worthy of God. That's why Luke throws that in there. He is laying you out. He says, this person has been clean on the outside. Now, everyone else who went, they, they probably were Jews. Why? Because Jesus says, go see the priest. But the Samaritan, he wouldn't be able to go see the priest because he wasn't a Jew. He would only be allowed so far into worship. He wouldn't be allowed where everybody else, where the pure blood Jews would be worshiping. He can only go so far. Luke is pointing out, he may be clean on the outside, but it's still a work that needs to be done on the inside. Now, he was a Samaritan. So not only was he a leper, he was a Samaritan leper. This is the worst of the worst of the worst. This is the person who we would think is the furthest away from God. This is the dude on the block with his pants halfway down his butt. Tattoos coming down his neck and on his arms with a black in his mouth, chilling on the block. This is the girl who is chasing after the dope man because he got all the loot. And, and just part of their crew and all the homeboys done dated her. Like, this is the person that is the furthest away from God. This is the one that you would never think would be acceptable to Jesus. Beloved, some of us in here are just like that. Think about your past. Think about where you came from. Think about the worst of the worst of the worst. Think about all the dirt you used to do. Think about how what people know about you and you just hope they just keep their mouth shut. Think about if, if, if social media was in my day, I would have been outed like crazy. Praise God. Woo! Hallelujah. What would have been posted about your life? 
had, they had social media in your day. I mean, you, you look, oh, yeah, you look good now. You, uh, Jesus done did something with you now. But let us not forget how far we come by faith in Jesus Christ. Let us not forget where he has brought us from. It's easy to sit now, sanctified and cute, and forget about old boy on the block who needs Jesus. If he can rescue you, don't you know he can rescue him? Luke is laying this argument out. But in this text, it's beautiful because it started when it said, when he saw them. Aren't you glad that Jesus saw you? Aren't you glad that Jesus was looking for you? Aren't you glad that Jesus sitting on his throne was caring about the details of your life? From eternity past, he had his face, his countenance set upon you. We thank Jesus for seeing you. We thank Jesus for accepting us. Jesus accepts you. Verse 17. Then Jesus answered, we're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Jesus is contrasting their reactions. He's basically saying, where are those folks who only think they needed to be fixed on the outside? Imagine the, the nine. Say, say they, were, they were all Jews, and as soon as they are healed of their external situation, they, they, they would run back to the priest in order to be reinstated into society. They just wanted to get back what they had before, to get back what they lost. They were seeing the blessings of Jesus as just an external benefit. But Jesus is saying, what the rest of them? They are dirty on the inside just as you are. Were there not ten? They need more than an external healing. And if we're not careful, we can be just like those nine. Because we'll start coming to church. We'll start saying the right things. We'll start start looking the right way. We might even join the usher board. We we, we might uh, pursue being a deacon. We we can uh, get in the choir, sing a solo. We'll start doing all the right things on the outside, be on the inside, we're still filthy and broken. Jesus is more concerned with your insides than your outsides. See, because you can fool me, you can fool your mama, you can fool your daddy, you can fool your boss, but ain't no fooling Jesus because he knows you from the inside out. So we can stop fronting. Stop acting like you're a super saint. Stop acting like you got it all together. Stop, stop wearing that bird in that coat. Well, I wonder what they think about me. I, I wonder what they say. Take that off. Jesus says, I don't care about the outside. I want your heart. 
He blesses them. And yet they do not return. Jesus is contrasting the insiders from the outsiders, from the people that think they had it all together, with the one who knew he didn't have it all together. Then he simply says in verse 19, and he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Here in the text, Luke is referring to Jesus. And he uses the word, your faith has made you well. In the Greek, that literally means you have been saved. You've been saved. This, this, this is not a chicken noodle soup cure to help your cold. He says, you have been saved. What is Luke doing? He's portraying Jesus in a way that completely overturns Old Testament ceremonial ritual. Jesus drops, he drops the mic here. Jesus drops it. Why does he drop it? By him declaring to the Samaritan, your faith has made you well, Jesus bypasses, he bypasses the entire process of being made ceremonially clean. What is that process? So as the nine would come to the priest, they would first not be allowed to go inside the community. The priest would come out to them and say, and, and look over their bodies and begin to observe what is going on. Then once he observes what's going on in their bodies, then they would have to make a sacrifice with birds. And, and the blood of the birds would be used and uh, it would be shaken on the, the leper to signify them being cleansed. Then at that point, the leper would be put away uh, 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 aside for seven days to make sure that this person is actually cleansed. And then on the eighth day, the person who had leprosy would have to make a sacrifice with the priest. And the text would show in Leviticus 13 and 14 that the priest would atone for their sins through their sacrifice. So in Jesus, saying what he just said, he bypasses the entire process. The Jews that go back to the priest think they got a sweet deal. But now they still have to wait eight days before they're cleansed. But Jesus, in declaring your faith has made you well, you have been saved, Jesus bypasses this eight-day process and declares what the priest would declare, making himself greater than the Old Testament priest. What is Jesus saying? You think you got priests? I'm the real priest. I'm the one who can declare who's clean and who's unclean. You don't have to go to a temple to try to figure it out if you got it right with me. I'm the one who declares if you got it right. I'm the one who determines if your leprosy is from the outside in or from the inside out. I'm the one who, who cleanses and, and makes one whole. 
He says, I'm the priest. Huh. He doesn't say I'm just the priest, but he says I'm the sacrifice too. Because the Jews would have had to make a sacrifice after the eighth day. Jesus says, I declare you clean right now on the promise that I will go to Calvary's cross and I will be slain and I will shed my blood for you. You're clean. I'm greater than the high priest. I'm greater than their sacrifices. Jesus says that I'm your mediator. The priest's role was to stand before God on behalf of the people. Jesus just told this no good Samaritan, unclean from the outside in, I'm standing in the gap for you. I'm your mediator. And all of this, all of this is by grace. It's by grace. This is a Samaritan. He hasn't done anything to deserve Jesus' favor. He hasn't done anything that, to make him better in life. He was, with the, he was with the other ten. They were living together. But Jesus just says, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Jesus declares that the Samaritan has not only been healed, but he's been made whole. That's what holiness is. Holiness is not just being separated unto God. Holiness means you have been made whole from the outside in, from the inside out. He takes care of all of your baggage, and he takes care, most of all, our spiritual baggage because he is showing him in his face the gospel at work. Though you were a Samaritan, you've been set free. Though you once was a leper, you've been delivered. We thank God for giving us Jesus Christ. We thank Jesus for being our mediator. So quickly, two truths that we learn. We learn that Jesus accepts the worst and gives them his best. Jesus accepts the worst, but in return, he gives you his best. He's not looking for you to have it all together before you come. He's going to get it all together when you come. He's not looking for you to, to make sure you, you dot your I's and cross your T's. He takes who you are, where you are, and says, come to me, and I will transform you. But then secondly, we do see the Samaritan's gratefulness. And this, this is for us. The fact that thanksgiving comes from a heart that has been made whole by Jesus. If you're still depending on situations and circumstances to dictate whether you're grateful or not, then your heart has not been made whole. Because a whole heart realizes who I really am. I'm not entitled to anything. I don't deserve anything but death and separation 
from God. I, I, I have nothing to offer the Messiah. But he rescues sinners such as ourselves. He makes us whole. So, beloved, as we prepare for Thanksgiving, let us consider who we really are. It's, it, it would be easy to look at this text and say, I would have came back and gave thanks to Jesus. No, you wouldn't. You and I, we'd have been one in the nine. We'd have been the ones who was concerned more about our outside appearance than our inside. We'd have been the ones who, who saw our situation as a, as a bother and a hindrance, not an opportunity to know Jesus. And, and once our circumstance is over, I'm going to go do what I want to do. I'm going to go to church when it's hard. But as soon as I get past this drama, I'm going to do what I want to do. We're the nine. We're the ones separated from worship of God because of our sin. We're the ones who are angry and in the rebellion, shaking our fists at God, saying, I'm going to live how I want to live and do what I want to do. That's who we are. I'm going to say what I want to say. It doesn't matter if I hurt someone's feelings. They know who I am. We're the nine. And just like the Samaritan, we are unclean and outside the camp. We don't have fellowship with God. We're, we're separated from his very presence. But that's what makes the gospel good news. Because though we were separated from the presence of God and our worship was not uh, all that it should be, Jesus inserts himself and says, if anyone should call upon my name, they will be saved. And Jesus becomes your mediator. He becomes your high priest and your sacrifice at the same time. You don't have to call on anyone else. You call upon Jesus, asking him for the forgiveness of sins. Lord, forgive me for my sins. I'm sorry that I have been living a life for myself and I haven't turned towards you. Help me to love you and to live for you. Help me to surrender to you. Help me to love you as I should. Once that takes place, Jesus makes you whole. And once that takes place, a whole heart is the heart that gives thanksgiving, no matter the situation or the circumstance. As we prepare for this Thanksgiving holiday, we must be mindful. Do I have a whole heart? Am I thankful just because of what I have? Or am I thankful for who Jesus is? So when you show up this week, when you gather around that table, they begin to ask you, well, what are you thankful for this year? Well, I'm thankful for my job. Well, I'm thankful for my pet Lolo. I'm thankful for my parents. I'm thankful for the clouds in the sky. This is a perfect opportunity for you to step in and say, I'm thankful for Jesus. Let me tell you why. Bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, you are awesome and worthy of our praise. Thank you for who you are and what you have already accomplished in being our high priest and our living sacrifice. 
But Father, you lived the life that we could not live. You died the death that we deserve. So Father, upon this day, make us grateful, not just for your gifts, but for the giver of these gifts. Father, make us keenly aware of how far we were from you and just what you have accomplished in bringing us near. Father, have mercy upon us this week. May you put a praise upon our hearts. May you give us hearts full of gratitude that we may declare your goodness to all that we come in contact with this Thanksgiving holiday. Because true Thanksgiving only comes from a heart that has been made whole by Jesus. And it's for your glory, for your name's sake, we do pray. Amen.